recording it on the computer over here because YouTube fucked with my shit and they can go fuck themselves. All right. The new episode of Manzoni in the Morning. I haven't been around for a while because I've been writing my ass off and going crazy and doing what I need to do to finish this novel and, you know, do it. All right. New poems. Boom. There's a lot of them. This is called I Am Totally in Talks with Kylie Jenner to develop her new selfie-made brand of makeup. Arise at the crest of a wave of obtuse nightmares. Covered in sweat, cold and damp, no room on the nightstand for a decent table lamp. It is silent, except for the drone of the space heater, the passing by of the odd car at such odd hours. Even the squirrels in the ceiling are in the middle of resting. What purpose have I to be up this early? I must avoid the hurly-burly, the cacophony emanating from the epicenter. I write about it from a safe and measurable distance. May I have this dance. We both seem to be bedazzled by those who speak to us through our phones. Right? I know I am not alone. I wish they would throw all the highfalutin social media influencers into the high seas with the oncoming wrath of a hurricane bearing down upon them. It would be like the fire Festival on steroids. I am so annoyed by your beauty. How you have to have your underwear ride up this much. I would rather touch a landmine with my tongue than your UTI-infected HPV chlamydia colony. Follow me. Follow me for likes and updates. I am totally in talks with Kylie Jenner to develop her new selfie-made brand of makeup. Did she make it herself? Of course not. Watch as our brains rot from behind the pale glow of a screen. Know what I mean? This shit makes me want to scream all of the time. Maybe we'll fall into line. Maybe we'll all fall apart. Who knows what else lieth in store? Are you ready for more? I pick myself up off the proverbial floor and wander through darkened hollows, that of the mind. Always wondering why everything is, was, or had to be. Reflecting on the widespread insanity, the cult of celebrity. A generation succumbing to Snapchat and all that other vacuous crap. They're unloading trucks full of bullshit. They're dumping it all on your lawn. 
and yet nothing seems to grow. Spring forth from it except more shit. I need to get a grip. Oh, really? Hmm. I need to get a better handle on this. Pissed off every day, every morning, every evening. What am I feeling except disgust and disconcernment? All of it compounds to a sum that makes me want to run, run, run. Kiss the gun. Kiss the Pope's ring. Kiss anything with lips and self-imposed nip slips. We are all Janet Jackson, and the rest of the world is Timberlake, threatening to reveal us in a way we had never thought to be possible. Trying to survive in a world full of assholes. Our role in this long-running reality play is negligible. Terrible. Will we ever be able to completely pick ourselves up and dust off the extraneous layer of dust and chaff. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. The path, it has split into many separate roads. Choose the right one and run it down before sunrise. Run down it before sunrise. Weather the lies and slings and far-flung arrowheads. With a bit of luck, you shall reach your destination in due time. Fall into line or plummet past the summit. <sighs> got a lot of anger, got a lot of feelings and things in this brain. I wake up in the morning and I write, 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 and it's been piling up. It's been piling up so much that I haven't been able to type it all up. We're going, I'm two months behind on typing this shit up. And uh, there's a lot of personal poems that I've been writing lately that I don't feel all too comfortable with sharing with the rest of the world. So now I have to like go in beforehand and pick out which ones I want to read or which ones not to read, rather. Here's a poem I was going to read at Earth Day, Spokane, until it got rained out. This is called The Polar Bears Are In Big Trouble. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? The permafrost is shrinking, melting away to a fraction of what it once was. Why is this happening? Because our captains of industry refuse to dial it back. Ready to cash in on the next big opportunity to reap the benefits of this planet by stripping it bare, by creating ungodly chemicals and byproducts that waste away the ozone. Trapping in unmanageable levels of CO2, you'd better believe it's true. Too bad you can't ask the animals what their position is. Polar bears and their cubs are plunging through softening ice. Do I need to mention this twice? Maybe. So many folks are deep in denial while ecosystems waste away, carved up like a Christmas ham. By highways and golf courses, cookie-cutter developments with in-ground pools they'll barely use. The polar bears, they can swim long distances in search of prey. But how many days do they have left until they exhaust themselves and sink? Think about your impact on the rest of the world, boys and girls. Could there be a reasonable solution? There is no magical potion 
No genie lamp to spring forth, an entity to make things right. White ice melts away into blue waves. Polar bears flailing, dog paddling, coats green in spots with algae. Spattered with remnants of an increasingly elusive lunch, where will they go when there is no ice left to be had? I wrote a bunch of poems about the planet, and then I didn't get to read them, so I got very upset. And then I wrote a poem about how I was angry at the planet. And I'm not going to read that right now. You can find out about that later because, uh, yeah, it's pretty pissed off. Let's do the one I wrote about butterflies. It's called Monarchs. The monarch butterfly has been migrating south since before mankind was even a thought. Majestic are they. In their spirited gatherings, tree limbs in forests become thick with the weight of innumerable paper-thin orange and black wings. Huge areas of their homelands have been cut down and repurposed for our massive concrete and steel colonies. Wasn't it bad enough for them already? Apparently, not enough. So many will balk at what I am expressing, though if you're attending this Earth Day event, I suspect you may heed this lesson. The cry of the butterfly is silent. They have no ability to tell us their fears. But one thing is clear. The orange man with tiny hands only cares about politics. His own bombastic demagogue promises birth forth through off-the-cuff nationalistic rantings and ravings. He'll do whatever he has to to erect a wall of biblical length and proportion. The environment is their last concern for he and the others who will not be around when the other shoe drops. Not a care whatsoever be extended to these monarchs. Oh, say they, are you going to cry for these miserable butterflies? They deny the truth a thousand times before the crack of dawn. Following along the directive of party lines, their crimes against this earth are unprecedented. Deregulate everything and sing their own self-congratulatory praises, giving themselves raises every five minutes while the worker bees work at tearing down anything they can get their hands on to build their wall, their factories, mini malls, and McMansions. Jettison everything you've ever known and cared for to reap the short-term benefits. Which line their pockets with green and gold? Nothing we have been told makes any sense except to those whose joy derives from parading around in bright red hats, yelling about liberals, Muslims, and Mexicans. Can we start again from the beginning where we won't be so ideologically leaning and come together to never again 
be fooled by the fat cats of business and industry. But they won't be happy. They won't rest until their wants are fulfilled and their wall stands tall. And the monarchs aren't the only species whose migratory patterns will be disrupted, such as the peninsular bighorn sheep, the Sonoran pronghorn antelope. Their very survival depends on the judgment of pathological dopes. In the end, when the smoke clears, we'll be able to see what long-lasting effects will be present. The advent of truth will only be realized through the destruction and dismantlement of ignorance. This, good people, may be our last chance. Very nice. This is called No Real Thrills at 2.30 in the morning. Chills, chills, and more chills. No real thrills at 2.30 a.m. A return to rest was not a reasonable option. I wish that I felt awesome, but instead I am weary. Too much travel back and forth to do my duty. Hopefully today, after the 3 o'clock doctor's appointment, the drainage tube shall be removed, and maybe everything will go back to normal. It's not too late to hope. With a statement like that, though, sounds like I'll have just enough rope to hang myself in spirit. In another time, people would not have let it go. Throw him back behind barred doors. They would have said, it's a figure of speech I used. Can't you read between the lines? Time after time, my works are misinterpreted. Here's a love letter from my ass to your English teacher. He can pour over these words maybe years from now and act like he knows who I am, who I was, or what I was about. My spirit will be shouting in his ear, in their ears. Isn't it clear to you yet, you university-educated second-tier piece of mule shit? Don't tell them you have any clue as to who you really are, which is about as far as one can get from the actual point of origin. Can we begin to talk about the facts? Or are you weak, a hair's breadth away from total relapse, total collapse, the glass was half full before it crashed to the unmerciful tiled floor? I never noticed that upon it, the floor was a lovely mosaic of three Etruscans fucking in the afterlife. What a price that must have been paid for such marvelous and unabashed pagan artistry. Will there ever be a return to stately normalcy? Excuse the scope of my misperceived improprieties. It's possibly another result of my glaringly obvious mental illness. Fill this a golden chalice, not with steaming piss, but with your own arterial blood. Oh, so you don't want to be today special, today's proud sacrifice to the chaotic dark gods that caper malevolently in the shadows. What shall grow? 
from a porcelain pot of night soil. I cast a handful of seeds into it and covered them before taking care to wash my hands. In time, it was the rye that first came up. With unusual weather, came from it the ergot fungus. I know it's there. I mention its presence, but nobody seems to care. It is chopped down and baked into the sacrificial loaf. There you take from it a hearty piece to consume. With it cometh St. Anthony's fire, gangrenous, hallucinatory psychosis. A little taste of this, a little taste of my world for you to sample. Don't get yourself trampled as panicked citizens break from the bounds of reality and run screaming towards the emergency exits. I don't give two shits who you are. It is women and children first. Outside the burning building, the survivors witnessed an unprecedented cloud burst. With the falling droplets came a horrid curse. An issuance from the sorceress we know, but refuse to directly speak of. May love prevail forever. Sever your ties with the underworld. Should the curse be lifted, our lands will be gifted with the most glorious age of prosperity. Yeah. All right, getting hot here, starting to sweat. I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones, and I've been going over there to my mother's every Sunday to watch the series. And, oh, there's so much stuff. Spoiler alert, I'm not going to spoiler anything for you. But I did write a poem kind of based on some of the themes from Game of Thrones, and I call it Game of Boners Adultery Edition. Game of Thrones premiered after two years last night. And right now, it's all anyone wants to talk or think about on the internet. More like Game of Pederasts, the real novels go into detail that is uncomfortable to read at its best moments. So what about every other facet of what is existence? I will admit, as the British say, I have been taking the piss out of the literati community, as well as the whole of modern American society. You can thank me later. When the dust settles, I can't wait until Game of Thrones is over. All I wanted to do was finish the books, but HBO was having none of that. They had to have it their way first and foremost. I find it hard to believe that George R.R. R. Martin is that slow. He must write less than a page a day. We all have our own ways, but please stop fucking beating this dead horse to draw out this fad for as long as humanly possible. Now, our story. Two stable boys pound the pussy of a noble woman, the lady Henrietta Cheswick. The lord of the manor, Earl Niles the Proud, cometh home early from his wintertime sojourn. He catches them rolling around in his bed. So 
he carefully backs out of the room to find his crossbow, an arrow anointed with runes. Oh, you lock it like that, do ya? said one of the stable boys, considering their length. They were stable men. I always knew you were no better than us, missus. No better than a scullery made scrubbing shit corn out of half of the village's drawers. No better than us getting kicked in the head by mules all day while shoveling more manure than the entire population of Whitechapel. Piss off, you grubby little rotter, hooted the other. We got some serious fucking to get done before the master comes. And he fucked no further, old Athelstan. Same goes with his partner in penis proclivities, Patch or Sir Patch, as he liked to entitle his pecker. Because the bolt traveled through Athelstan's back and into Patch's ball bag. <laughs> so then did Earl Niles issue the command, and his soldiers, adorned in rusty chainmail, exploded into the master bedroom of the castle in a tremendous clamor. Aye! screamed Lady Henrietta. What's this all about? I paid you men good silver to leave me during my transgression. I will have you know, my husband, that was when the Earl stepped into the light. Oh dear, I mean, these men, these awful men, they threw themselves on me. Oh, said Earl Niles. So you had no choice in the matter? I find that hard to believe. You always said you dreamed of taking two men within you at once. The two adulterers were ripped from the bed, thrown to the stone floor and bound with manacles. Take these miserable cunts to the dungeon. We'll have them hanged at dawn. Lady Henrietta broke down in a reprehensible fit of crocodile tears. The Earl dismissed his men and locked himself inside the room with his unscrupulous wife. He fucked her twice to show her that he was, in fact, still a man. Can you stop crying for five seconds, said the Earl mid-thrust. How can I uh, how can I trust a man who doesn't even trust me? Mind your tongue, you sow, while I plow the fields of your whorish womanhood. They ended abruptly with a premature ejaculation, and neither of them found easy rest, least of all the two other men. The one Athelstan hit in the back, he did not die, but instead held on as dawn broke and the Earl called all the village of his fiefdom to the town square, whereupon a gallows was being built. I cannot believe you're going to have these men killed, said Henrietta, as she was led from her palanquin to the area sectioned off specifically for nobles. 
You should thank the gods. They are not going to be drawn and quartered until after they expire, said the Earl. Girl, you should consider yourself lucky that you aren't sentenced to join them. Friends and foes alike gathered together in the square and hurled stones, horseshit, and rotten produce at the condemned. Might these knaves succumb to an uneventful end, said the Earl Niles. They will bend a knee to the devil himself. The two prisoners were taken from the jail and dragged through the manure-laden streets by a pair of white mares. Who would dare to save them now? Once they were sufficiently worn down and near death, the hooded executioner unbound them and marched them up the steps toward their fates. The lady had secretly dispatched a carrier pigeon to the castle of the only folk who Henrietta imagined could be of assistance. Her message, sealed in wax, promised a heap of treasure to anyone who could come and save the day. And a trio of riders were on the way. They arrived at dawn, minute specks traveling a great distance. What sort of simple deus ex machina chicanery is this? The executioner saw the rescuers from far off and preemptively dropped the trap door. Hey, said the Earl. I wanted a few more words. Sure, wait around if you wish them to escape, said the executioner. Very well, they'll be dead soon anyway. What use are words used on what will momentarily be dust? Exactly. The men hanging, dropped, and kicked. The riders rode double time. Ethelstan was about to expire, and Patch wasn't too far behind him with his terribly torn testicles. Henrietta wailed for Ethelstan. He had the bigger dick, to be sure. The rioters broke through the cacophonic membrane of the mob and waded through in their best hurry. We are here to stop this injustice by the beseechment of Lady Henrietta Cheswick. If any of ye has a problem with what I'm about to do, a pox on you. Said Orlo, the leader of the riders. Come make fate with me at my keep in Metronomica. He shot a well-placed arrow through the hempen rope supporting the dangling patch while his rider to the left galloped full force and leapt onto the gallows. He, one named Crandall the Stoic, kicked the executioner off the wooden platform and hopped down to the ground to rescue Patch before the hatch became crowded with all the angry, panicked guards. Orlo corralled the crowd with a long, collapsible spear while his other men, woman, <clears throat> Myrta the Merciful, a nun turned mercenary, she fended off the man-at-arms with a double-bladed longsword. 
got you, she said, and lopped off a man's arm. Henrietta broke away from the nobles and the earl and fled towards the epicenter of the chaos. Don't let that trollop get away, shouted the earl, but the scope of his command was lost amongst the confusion. Murtaugh spotted the lady and rode towards her through the flood of flailing bodies. Take my hand, said Murtaugh. The lady grasped her hand, but she was pulled backwards by a pair of soldiers. Lady, you would take care to duck, spoke Murta. The lady did, and Murta chopped both of their heads off with a thwack. The lady positioned herself on the back of the horse and climbed on. Let us make haste. Murta's horse did a quick turn, and Crandall engaged the front lines, swinging his blade. In a flurry of fury, blood and body parts danced through the air and into the dirt. Was this was their plan going to work? Orlo dodged the flung javelin and righted Patch on the horse to steady him and prevent his fall. After all, his testicles were more than sore. I implore you, lady, screamed the earl. Do not do this. Please don't make me beg. But his pathetic pleading fell on deaf ears, for the lady knew very well that this was a half-hearted attempt to pull at her heartstrings. Realizing the futility, the Earl changed directions rather fast. An infant's weight in silver to whoever returns the lady to me. She doesn't even have to be in all that great a condition either. And that caused even more chaos to ensue. As town folk and soldier alike scrambled to reach their steed, Orlo, Crandall, Myrta, the Lady, and Patch. And Ethelstan rode as hard as possible through while the proverbial storm clouds gathered. Let us head north, spoke Crandall, gazing back over his shoulder. Their pursuers were little more than harried minute specks. The Lady withdrew precious gems from her brazier and handed them over to her defenders. A princely sum, spoke Orlo. I thank thee, my lady. They kept on riding. They did not stop for anything else. For there was peril bearing down upon them. Which kingdom would be the safest to retreat to? Asked the lady. A good question, said Crandall. Where will fate beckon us? I suppose the borough of Barleydale would be an acceptable stopping over point. The joint alliance between other kingdoms do not apply there. The chance of extradition would be minimal. We must be extraordinarily careful, said Myrta, for there are suggestions of treachery anywhere we so tread. Whilst in Barleydale, Lady Henrietta convinced the village idiot Tug the heavy-handed to switch garments with her. She used her feminine wiles to make him think she would lay with him upon completion of his mission. Da, okay, said he, and naturally when the earl came a-looking, Tug screwed up fantastically. He gave himself away, right away. But by then, 
The lady was holed up in a whorehouse to the west at Matterfield Crossing. Murta knew the prostitutes there well, having once been one at this very locale. Do not tell a soul that we were here, said Murta. The madam said she agreed, during which time the basest needs of the party were fulfilled, and then some. So ends part one of this poem. It seems they have won for now. That's the one big poem I've been writing. And then uh, I've been doing this other one. It's called The Redemption of Scooter Reno. And I've been writing it probably about two or two and a half months or something like that. And uh, it's pretty crazy. I don't know if it's going to be a book or if it's going to be like a, a short story, but it's a prose poem that kind of reads like a poem, kind of reads like a novel. And it's pretty cool. I've been making a lot of a uh, couple game videos lately. Um, that's been pretty cool. I like the going on the PlayStation Network and uh, you know doing the live stream. I'm thinking about how I can integrate the poetry and those types of videos to try to get to like a different audience, and that's cool. We can't forget we got a weed of the week. What's our weed of the week? It's the weed of the week. It's the weed of the week. This one is uh, Freddy's Fuego. Other camera. This is Blue Steel from Freddy's Fuego. It is a very nice tasting indica. And uh, it's really good. I like this a lot. Blue Steel reminds me of uh, Zoolander. Okay. So we'll take a hit of this. Ah, very nice. Love this legal weed. So with that, this new episode of Manzoni in the Morning is drawing to a close. I love everybody. I love you for watching this. Thank you. Have a great day. anyone tell you how to do anything do it your way and just do it do it thank you very much